Jesus was a mushroom and I ate him on my way to school one day. Jesus was a mushroom and I ate him on my way to school one day. All the colors, they were popping and the flowers, they were hopping. I was saved. I was saved. Hi, Joanna. First of all, I just wanted to thank you for your amazing podcast and all of the awesome people that you've interviewed throughout the years. Before listening to your podcast, I didn't know other people believed in magic. I didn't know I was even allowed to, even though I always did. So you've given me a lot of validation and a community of people where I finally feel like I belong for the first time in my life. So thank you for that. I was wondering if you could shed some light on introducing magic to our children. I have a three-year-old and a seven-week-old, but their dad's family is very Christian, as well as my family. And I want to raise them to respect all religions so that way they can make an informed decision when they're an adult. If you could shed some light on that, I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome to episode number 27 of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe, and I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. And today we have an awesome prompt, another voicemail, yahoo, from Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for asking this question because you have just given me permission to talk about one of my favorite things to talk about. Congratulations on your new baby, seven weeks old. And you said you have a three-year-old. I love that you're thinking about this already, and I just want to acknowledge you for being the kind of parent who respects your kids and wants to give them intellectual and spiritual freedom, the freedom to find their own way. I think that's amazing that that is where you're coming from, that that is in your heart has already set a foundation for what their childhood is going to be. And I already think you're off to a great start simply because you are considering their perspective. You have respect for them as little people. And that is a beautiful thing that I would love to see more of. And then speaking of respect, it's really tricky when both sets of grandparents are Christians and you didn't express any tension there. So I'm not really sure how that is landing for you and your children's dad and potentially your kids. But I just know from talking about spiritual abuse in the past or sharing my own past and the emails that I get when I do that, that this is a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. Some people have completely cut off their Christian families, some for good reasons, because there is some abuse going on there or some intolerance that is not conducive to having a beautiful life, and they are entitled to that. And then some people, because they're still in the early phases of working that shit out and a lot of anger can come up when you go home for the holidays and your parents are trying to indoctrinate your kids into a belief that you do not share or they're introducing ideas like heaven and hell and Satan and all of this to your kids, to your cute little innocent kids who still probably believe in Santa Claus. It's upsetting. And so anger 
is a big emotion that comes up for people around this. And I just want to be like, hey, if you're out there, I see you, I feel you, I know where you're coming from. And it actually can get a lot better. It has in my case, but it's been a journey. It has been a dedicated three decade plus long journey of making a concerted effort to make peace with the religion that I grew up in and to make peace with the fact that my family talks about this religion like it is a fact and to make it make sense for myself. So if you decide, not you specifically, Sarah, but anyone listening to this who's in that position, if you decide I love my parents and I'm just going to suck it up because I don't want to lose them, I want my kids to have their grandparents and their aunts and uncles in their lives, I would suggest to find a way to make peace with it in your own heart and mind. There are so many books out there. There's a book called Jesus Through Pagan Eyes that might be interesting to check out. There's a book called The Yoga of Jesus that's interesting if you're into yoga. A lot of Eastern philosophies can help you get to a place of making peace and separating out the mythology from fundamentalism, which literalizes everything. And the reason I would suggest starting with this, if you're a person who has little kids and you're struggling with the Christian family that you come from, if you yourself are not Christian, is because little kids are so sensitive and they pick up on your vibes, they pick up on your facial expressions, they pick up on your body language when you're around your family. And if there's discord there, they're going to internalize that and it can create a kind of shadow for them. And they can start having loyalty issues and feeling like they're betraying their grandparents when they're with you and that they're betraying you when they're with their grandparents. And it can create a lot of confusion. So getting to a place where you're like, okay, it's Christmas time, and they're talking about the Son of God, Jesus is born, but I'm actually seeing it as it is the Son, S-U-N. We're actually celebrating the Son, and Jesus is just a mythological representation of that. It's a story people tell. <laughs> it's a story people tell in all different kinds of religions from all around the world, all throughout time. We tell these personified stories that really are astrotheology. It's really sun worship. We're really following the solar year, and as a pagan or a witch, I walk the wheel of the year, and so I can acknowledge that Technically, we're talking about the same thing. These people have just literalized it and turned it into a fundamentalist religion, blah, 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 blah. Whatever you need to do in that regard to make peace with yourself, I think is really useful in terms of setting the tone with your family and maybe even if you have very loving, kind parents, despite a difference of belief, being able to reach out and say, listen, we have a difference of belief here, and I love you. I know you love my kids, but can you please not talk about religion with them? If they're hardcore Christians, they're going to be like, no, <laughs> I'm going to share the word of God with my grandbabies. And you might decide to let your grandbabies stay the night anyway and go see them for the holidays because you love your parents and whatever. You grew up in it. However, 
If you teach your children about the wheel of the year, if you introduce them to some basic astrotheology concepts like the solar year and how Easter and Christmas, these holidays are actually about the returning light and how everything that dies is born again. And you start to introduce these concepts to them non-verbally, just by introducing them to the wheel of the year, taking them out in nature, showing them how the seasons change and letting them experience hands-on for themselves the life, death, life cycle. When they start hearing other family members talking about how Jesus died and rose again, they might come to their own conclusions and you might not have to get confrontational about that with your parents. You know, if they bring it up to you, like something, something like hell, for example, like, am I going to hell? Is hell real? Is the devil real? You can be like, well, some people believe it is, but I believe that people made up the character called the devil, and they made up this place called hell because they wanted to scare people into doing the right thing. They did not trust that people would do the right thing, so they made up these scary stories to try to control people. That's what I believe. What do you believe? And I think that's just a magical phrase. Some people believe this, or your grandma believes that. I believe this. What do you believe? And you create a kind of trust with your kids where they know that they can come to you about anything and you're not going to judge them. You're not going to freak out on them. It creates an ongoing conversation that can last the whole of their lives. They know they can come to you. They can talk through these things. Their beliefs can evolve as they grow and evolve because they know you're a safe person to talk about these things with and that you can always put it in the context of nature, which is real. It's tangible. You can see it. You can smell it. You can hear it. You can taste it. You are it. It is irrefutable and it's chock full of lessons so for me, beyond making peace in your own heart, the first thing you really can do with kids from the day they are born and all throughout their life is, as a family, walk the wheel of the year together. Celebrate every turn of the year. Go outside. Tell all the different mythologies and stories about the turn of the wheel. But more than that, really just show them so that they can see for themselves, so they can experience for themselves this life-death-life cycle and the beauty of every season, however it shows up where you live. You can teach them about the solar year and how the light changes, how it goes away, it dies, and it's born again, and it comes back year after year after year. And there's so much that you can do with the wheel of the year. You can get so crafty and creative with it, with the cooking seasonally and making every holiday special, the way you decorate your house or change an altar in your home to reflect the seasons, the way maybe you teach your children how to capture the wind, to make a wish. You notice what little kids do naturally because Little kids are magical. They are born with their magic intact. It is religious indoctrination. It is social conditioning. It is societal programming that slowly, slowly, slowly trains the magic down into the shadows and out of reach. 
But as a magical parent, you can protect that for your kids by noticing the things that they do that are already magical and celebrating that. So if your child picks a dandelion and goes to blow the seeds from the seed head, you can teach your kids about the life cycle of a dandelion when they're older and how magical that is. And before they're old enough to understand all of that, you can just teach them to make a wish, to set an intention, and let them just enjoy the very simple air magic of blowing on a dandelion seed head and watching these little floaty, wispy seeds like go off out on the wind and land wherever they may like bubbles and how magical that is bubbles are magical bubbles you can teach them about the water and the air element coming together and you can teach them to make wishes that way it's interesting when i think about how magic survives our very very christian culture despite (laughs) trying to stamp it out when I think about like birthday candles, you know, we still hold on to these things, even though we don't call it magic. You know, it's like make a wish before you blow out your birthday candle. You can capture those moments and teach your kids, hey, this is magic. In fact, candle magic is a really great thing you can teach kids when they are tiny, because when they're little, little bitty, they can just watch you carefully reverently dressing a candle and they can smell the scent of the essential oils you're using and they can hear the crinkle of the herbs and the dried flower petals and they can watch as you roll the candle in the dressing and they can hear and see and feel and experience as you light the flame And then as they get older, they get to do it too. Maybe it just starts out with they get to rub a little essential oil on the candle. And then they get to press herbs into the candle. And then they get to make their own wishes and light the candle. What a cool thing to do for Yule or to do for the new year. To do some candle magic with your kids and to empower them that way. To teach them that their intentions are powerful and that they can direct their energy that way. One of the most fun beginning exercises that every witch learns is something that is so easy to teach kids, even nonverbal kids. And I know this because I started teaching my son when he had very, very limited language. And it is making an energy ball. You just rub your hands together until you get some heat and friction going between your hands. And then you slowly, slowly start to pull your hands apart like you're making taffy kind of is what it looks like. But you do it slowly enough so you can feel the heat and the energy between them. And you keep pulling them out further and further apart so as not to break that energetic tension you can feel between your hands. And you make the ball bigger and bigger and bigger when you start to feel feel the tension start to go away, you pull it in a little bit. And what I used to do is when my son didn't feel good, I would make one of these energy balls for him, which he loved and delighted in. And then I would take the ball of energy and I would put it on his head or his knee or wherever he was hurting or sick. And he loved it. It was just like a hands-on energy healing. And then he would just come to me and be like, make one of those balls. He would want me to make a ball for him and we would do it for fun. And he would put his hand in the middle of my hands to try to feel the energy 
And it was such a fun way to empower him with magic before he even really had very many words. I really believe in harnessing the natural magic that kids already have. And because your kids, Sarah, are so very small, seven weeks old and three years, you really have the opportunity to do this. Like if you're out on a walk, those kids are going to pick up a leaf or a feather or a rock and they're going to cherish it in the way kids do. And you can help them do that. You can teach them how to make their own little nature altar, or you can go home with the rock or the feather or the leaf, and you can look up on the internet, like, what kind of leaf is this? What kind of bird did this feather come from? What kind of rock is this? Let's find out. What's this rock made out of? And then as they get older, it's, what kind of metaphysical properties might this rock have? What kind of stories are attached to granite or whatever the rock is? You know, ooh, there's mica in this rock. Doesn't that kind of look like gold? Isn't it interesting how it sparkles? Let's go learn about mica. And, and bonus points if you're an animist, because then you can be like, Does this rock even want to go home with us? Did you know that some people believe every rock, every tree, every bug has its own soul? And you're laying a foundation for them in which they embrace wonder and curiosity. And those are such magical qualities to have. You're making it okay for them to be who they really naturally are. And that's something that you can build on and that you all can grow as a family as they learn. You get to learn with them. It's fun to do as a parent and be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea we had these birds in our neighborhood, but I did keep seeing those feathers. And sure enough, it's this specific kind of bird. And this bird actually is an import from this country. And It symbolizes such and such or whatever. You know, you start to also notice synchronicities with your kid. So if you're going to do some intention magic with them, if you're going to do a candle spell, or you're going to teach your kids how to do a vision board, you carry that through into your everyday life and you start pointing out the synchronicities with them. So if they want to manifest a pony (laughs) and you are definitely not going to buy them a pony, How do you facilitate that? Because you for sure are not buying a pony, right? Well, you can start noticing with them every time ponies show up out on the street, in books, in stories, in movies. And you can be like, oh my gosh, there it is again. Did you notice? There's a pony. Did you see the pony? Maybe play a little game of I spy. I spy a pony every time a pony shows up. And you can be like, that means your manifestation is getting closer. Your magic is working. And then maybe you buy them a pony ride or riding lessons or something that gets them closer to their dream. Because I think when anybody makes an intention, it is revealing who they are. It's saying this is important to me. This matters to me. So it's not frivolous if your little kid wants to manifest a pony, even though there's no way in hell that you are going to fork over the money for a pony or take care of a pony or even have the room for a pony. Maybe you live in a small city apartment and that's just not a possibility. It's still important to pay attention to their intentions and to help them 
tap into the magic of that because maybe one day they'll buy one of their own or maybe this is a phase they're going through because they're on their way to becoming a veterinarian or an artist who's going to end up drawing horses who knows you don't know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where it's headed it matters that it's important to them and you're keeping the magic alive in their hearts right you're showing them that their dreams, their goals, their wishes matter. And then later, as they get older, you can teach them about the reticular activating system and how what you focus on, you tend to notice more of and how that helps you notice more opportunities. You can teach them about aligned action. But in the beginning, you're just teaching them that the dreams of their heart matter and someone besides themselves, takes them seriously. Someone important to them, their mom, their dad. Growing food is another amazing thing that you can do with your kids to teach them about magic because they can grow like one little herb, like one little plant. You can do that in the early spring, maybe start in your house to start the seed and then move it outside and you teach them how to tend to it, how to care for it. And you can tell them stories about planting the seeds in your own heart of your own dreams. And they get to watch the metaphor unfold in real time. And then when you harvest the herb, then you can teach them how to bake with it or cook with it or make a tea or a tincture with it and teach them the healing properties of it and really Keep that connection that humans have always had with nature. Keep it intact for them. And if you want to build on that as they get older and teach them the metaphysical properties or the astrological correspondences, you can. But for me, it's enough just to notice the healing properties of it and to recognize the life-death-life cycle and to recognize that we ourselves are a part of magic and the wonder of all of that, the wonder of it, the majesty, the miracle of it, like, holy moly, this is all happening for real and never losing that. So many of us who become witches or pagans later in life, people who practice magic, it's like we have to relearn what we knew as kids. How fabulous would it be if we never unlearned it in the first place? And believe me, your kids are going out into the world. They're going to go to school. They're going to have friends. They're going to watch TV and movies. Society is going to do everything they can to teach your kids to forget their own magic and to put power outside of themselves. And that might happen for a period of time, particularly when they're teenagers or in their early 20s. But I believe if you lay this foundation for them, and you allow them to experience their own magic and their own connection to nature in real time in a tangible, experiential way, they'll never lose it. It will be with them always. It'll be there in the back of their mind. And then when they themselves go on that return trip, they'll have so much more to go on. And they'll have you hopefully still around who they can turn to, who they trust, who they know is safe. And they can be like, okay, mom, I remember when you taught me this thing about magic. Can we do one of those energy balls again? Or can we, can we make a tincture together or whatever it is? And I'm not trying to make magic into 
the new religion, you know, that you hope your kids will grow up to be good witches. <laughs> it's not like that. It's not like there's any kind of fall from grace. You're not presenting them the one true way. They may turn out to be yogis. They may grow up to be really into like Jewish mysticism, kundalini, Buddhism, or even, yes, Christianity. But I think teaching them to have an open mind is so useful no matter how they turn out to be in terms of religion, even if they turn out to be atheists, because it's going to teach them tolerance for other people and other people's beliefs. And hopefully they won't be such rigid people or the kind of people that would dare trample on someone else's belief, which is a crime, damn it. <laughs> it's a crime against beauty, the beauty of the human spirit and our drive to make sense of this world in a way that feeds our soul, that makes us feel whole. And that can look different for everyone, including your kids. Honestly, I think the best thing that you can do to teach kids about magic, if you yourself love magic, is let them participate with you. Let them see you practicing magic. Let them see you using your pendulum or reading tarot cards. And if they're curious and they ask you one day, you can let them join you. Or maybe one birthday or Yule, you gift them their own deck of cards. Teresa Reed, who I've had on the podcast now several times, she recently, I think it was this spring, released a tarot deck just for kids. And it's very kid-friendly and beautiful. But kids are such natural storytellers. I think that just about any tarot deck you hand them, if you ask them, what do you see in this picture? What do you think this means? They're going to start telling stories. They're going to be able to read cards just using their intuition when they're tiny. It's what little kids do. They're natural storytellers. Again, going back to this idea of taking your kids on a walk, I was just listening to my stepmom talk about taking her little grandkids on a walk. And they're Christians, shout out to them. If they're listening, which I know they're not, <laughs> but they all went on a walk and she said they couldn't not tell stories. They found one of those manhole covers where it's like a big circular hunk of metal and then there's little holes inside. And they were dropping rocks down the holes and telling stories about like, oh, there it goes. We're dropping it on the people's head that live down below. They couldn't stop themselves. Children are naturally creative and imaginative. And to me, this is a sign that their magic is intact. Humans love stories. We are meaning-making creatures. So let your children participate in the meaning that you're making out of your life in whatever way you do that and defend, protect, honor, and respect their ability to make meaning out of their life in their own creative way. Notice it. Celebrate it. Give it a place of honor in your home. Magic is such a fun topic. It's such a fun topic. I could go in so many different directions with this, but I'm going to end it right here. And thank you very much for the amazing question, Sarah. This episode was so hard to record. It took me several attempts to do this because I kept going off into the weeds about how I learned over decades of time to make peace with the Christianity I grew up in and that my entire family, everyone but me, still very much believes in and how 
We are able now to go home for the holidays and celebrate with them in a way that does not offend me or cause conflict between us all. That's literally how we got that weird little song that I shared at the beginning of this episode about Jesus being a mushroom. I wrote a song about Jesus being a mushroom when I was going through my Jesus is a mushroom phase. (laughs) I've read so many books in my attempt to make peace with Jesus. Jesus is a yogi. Jesus is a pagan. Jesus and the lost goddess. So if anybody's like, yes, I would love to hear about that. Clearly, I have lots to say (laughs) because I could barely, barely stay on topic for this episode. I have another voicemail that I'm going to make a special episode based on, and I'm looking forward to that. I've got two more interviews to share with you before the end of 2022. If you would like to leave me a voicemail, if you'd like to ask me anything about moving through fear, psycho-spiritual magic, psycho-spiritual being the place where psychology and spirituality meet, self-love is a favorite topic of mine, shadow work is a favorite topic of mine. If you've heard me talk about something before and you have questions about it or you'd like me to expand on it, I'm happy to do it. Just leave me a voicemail over on speakpipe.com slash the Joe DeVoe show, or you can go to the show notes here and just click on the link. I hope y'all are enjoying the holidays so far. And until we meet again, always remember life is change. Change is magic. Magic is life. And the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace.